What if I tell you that having a baby could be easy? How can you have your beautiful, positive, unmedicated, and natural birth so that you can step into your conscious motherhood? Hello, my name is Vivi. I am a midwife, a birth coach, and I am a early motherhood coach. And I'm here to show you how birth can be easy. You know why? You're never going to forget that day. And you want it to be the best day of your life. Tune in while we'll dive in on how you can have your positive birth and you can have a positive motherhood. Happy listening. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this new episode of Your Holistic Midwife. It's always me, Bibi. And today I am joined by the beautiful Nicole N. Or Nicole, you tell me which one you prefer. Nicole, thank you so much for being here. Um, do you just want to introduce yourself a little bit for our listeners? Absolutely. I'd love to. My name is Nicole. My business name is Nicole Ann Birthkeeper. I am a mum to five beautiful children um, aged from 24 to four. Uh, I am a birth worker, a mum, a partner, an Aquarian, crazy lady. Um, yeah, that's who I am. Yeah, love it. And uh, where are you joining us from? I am joining you from sunny Brisbane today. <laughs> beautiful. I love Brisbane. It's beautiful, I honestly. <laughs> yes, yes. So, Nicole, tell us a little bit about yourself. I think um, I saw you have actually written a book. So we will discuss the book a little bit. But before I want to know um, the journey towards writing this book, Okay, right. Well, it's been quite a few years on this journey. So let's start back when I had baby number five. I, because there's 20 years difference in age gap, I had noticed a really big shift in how I was being treated in hospital system that many years ago to now. So that birth, beautiful physiological birth, actually in a hospital system, but physiological birth, I came out of there though really upset and questioning what had happened to the system. So as you do when you're breastfeeding a baby at one o'clock in the morning, I jumped on this thing called Instagram um, and started like looking at birth accounts and watching birth videos and talking to people about this thing. And the word doula kept coming up and birth keeper kept coming up. And I'm like, oh, who are these people and what are they doing? And I had always felt a calling very early on in life to be with women in birth. Um, and when I had my first one 24 years ago, the wording that I had then was midwife, um, but it never really eventuated. It just wasn't the right time for myself and my family to go and study and do that thing. So fast forward 20 years, I've had my fifth baby. I've got this word doula coming up and in, in the middle of the night, while breastfeeding, I just had this calling, this download, this weird, crazy idea that that's what I was going to do, that that's what I was actually here to do at the age of 43. I had finally found this thing, right? So I, my, my husband woke up the next morning and I said to him, I know what I'm doing. He's like, what? 
said, I'm going to study to become a doula and I'm going to work with women in the birth space and I'm going to do this thing called a doula. And he was like, I don't know what that is, but okay. Um, so that was it. So I delved into it. Um, so, I- so what you did is uh, you became a doula after your fifth uh- child is that correct so take us a little bit about the journey between your first child and your fifth child let us know a little bit more in depth what happened there okay so i mean doula they have been around for a very long time yeah they have been so i used to live in sydney i'm originally from sydney um first baby i was the first one i was 23 i was the first one in all of my family um, like siblings, all of my girlfriends at the time, no one had had a baby. So I was pregnant at 22, due to have her when I was 23. So I did what most people do. And I was like, okay, so who do I ask? Who do I ask how to do this thing? No internet back then, by the way. So I turned to my mom because she was the only other woman that I had known that had had a baby. Um, and she was like, oh, well, you go to the doctor they give you the name of a private obstetrician and you go to a hospital and have a baby. And I was like, okay, cool. So that's what I did. Um, The birth really, I don't consider it traumatic. I do consider it high intervention. So um, I had, as I got into transition, the OB arrived, as they do, I was given... Um, an epidural because I was told I wasn't coping because I was being very loud and vocal. Um, then I was given a full midline episiotomy. Oh my gosh. Uh, mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. And wow. I know they don't tend to do midline ones anymore, but that's what I no, was doing. No, no. I think it's been, yeah, probably almost a 20 years, I would say. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's how it's been 24. She's yeah. True. Before. True. So I was given a full midline episiotomy and a forceps delivery. So took a long time to heal from that, as you can imagine. Baby number two arrived about 18 months later. In that time, I had already this thought of that's not how I'm supposed to come out of this thing. There wasn't as much connection and joy and trust and I just kind of felt it in my body that it wasn't quite right it wasn't I didn't consider it traumatic but I didn't really have this like empowered feeling in my bones so during that 18 months I discovered um, MGP programs in the hospital my local public hospital so for my next pregnancy, actually the next two pregnancies, I went through midwifery um, group practice. Oh, awesome. And, yeah. And those births were both pretty much exactly the same. So I arrived in hospital. I was taken to my room. There was no, oh, well, we have to do a VE first or we have to do this first. It was just like, you are in labor. Here you go. Yeah. And- so still very medicalized. Uh, yeah. Not not as much as what I see today at okay. all. I literally arrived in hospital and was taken straight to birth suite. There was yeah. not in between, no nothing. Um, the midwives were like, no, clearly you're in labour, let's just go. Yeah. Both babies were born within about an hour and 40 minutes of me arriving. 
no drugs, no VEs, um, vaginal exams, um, no anything. It literally was myself, my husband at the time, um, the midwife that was in the room that I had known throughout my pregnancy, and I literally just pushed babies out kneeling on the floor. Ah, so good. Uh... Yeah, yeah, really like and really good. And I came out of both of those going, that's better. Like that's what it should yeah. be. Yep. So then fast forward, they've grown. My eldest is now 20 and then 18 and then 16. Mm-hmm. And then my, my new partner and I were like, actually, no, they were younger than that when we decided that we wanted to have, my new partner and I wanted to have a baby together. Yeah. So at the age of 41, wow. That's so amazing. Our bodies are so amazing. Hey, they're incredible. So at the age of 41, I was like, yeah, okay, cool. If I can do this naturally, then yep, sure. Let's, let's give this a go. So we gave it a go. And two weeks later, found out that I was pregnant. And from the moment I went to the GP, I could sense this fear from all, anyone that I came in touch with with medical because I was geriatric, right? Oh, yeah, because of their age. Everybody's thinking you're about to die because you're pregnant, isn't it? (laughs) I'm going to die. So we'll get to that that, that, um, dead baby card stuff. But, um, yeah, so the age of 41, I actually went through an MGP program again here in Brisbane. Oh, that's good. Yeah, so I got straight into that, into their birth centre. That was fine because the previous pregnancies, even though they were a long time ago, they were like, I suppose, textbook. Normal, yeah. I was was deemed very lucky, um, but they were normal, right? So the same thing happened with this pregnancy. I woke up in the middle of the night. I knew I was in labour. I go off to the hospital when I'm ready to go. And they were like, okay, cool. Here's the birth suite. Let us know if you want anything, but you know what you're doing. We're pretty much going to leave you alone. Like these midwives were beautiful. So um, good. Yeah. And we still sort of keep in touch. They're really lovely. Um, so I was, I was left alone to do what I wanted. I had my three older children in the room because it, it was pre the world going mad. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was like, how did you get all these people in? <laughs> 17, and when I had booked in, I said, I'm going to need the biggest room you've got because I've got my husband and my three children. Yeah. I For every birth, I'd always had a student midwife. Um, I'm a really strong believer in that if you build that relationship early on in your pregnancy, if you're going through the hospital system, because I know that midwives need to see X amount of birth before they can like be ticked off, right? So I wanted to make sure that a midwife, a student midwife had that opportunity to actually see a physiological birth. Yeah, exactly. Because as you know, especially as student midwives, what is happening right now, they actually don't get to see a lot of normal birth. And what happened is especially like when you're doing like the uni, they actually want to want you to be as a student midwife, the 
catcher, let's say that way of that baby. And so if there is a forceps, is there, if there is a ventus, if there is anything involved, the student can't actually sign off. So like, you know, if anybody is listening here and is happy to have a student midwives, of course, help us out. <laughs> Absolutely. So I've had, yeah, so I've had five student midwives throughout the, the five um, births. So, um, and she was beautiful. And funnily enough, she was the same age as my eldest daughter. Oh um, my gosh, <laughs> young. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. They didn't go to school together, but they kind of knew of like mutual friends or friends of friends. So that was actually really lovely. Um, he was born, he was, I have big boys when I have boys. Um, so he was nine pound eight, I think. Um, so of course, like you're 41 and you're having a big baby. So the obstetric side of the hospital system was concerned. Um, they wanted me to have an ultrasound at the end of my pregnancy, just to make sure that baby was going to like fit. Um, I declined and said, it's okay. Like I've had a nine pound nine baby before. I think I'll be able to do it again. Um, so, yes, yeah, so we were literally just left to ourselves. I had said to my husband, like, this is baby number four for me. I know what I'm doing. Can you just stand on back? If I look at you, I want water. But otherwise, can you just, like, see me for all of the glory that you're about to see, right? Like, witness me in my power. And he did. And I turned around after birthing my son. I was on all fours and I turned around to see both of my eldest daughters at the um, crowning end, watching their brother actually enter the world with just with tears in their eyes. And I'm oh like, oh my gosh, that is so sweet. <laughs> just beautiful. My eldest son, who would have been probably 14, 15 at the time, was sitting on a lounge in the room, but had been sitting on the lounge like with earbuds in on his phone and had said, oh, when when he starts to arrive, let me know. So then the girls were like, he's coming. Yeah. So they went over <laughs> and actually saw me, like, pick him up and bring him to my chest and all of that. So that was really lovely. Um, and then fast forward, I had two early births in between the two boys that I had. Mm -hmm. um, so managed those. And then for my last birth, I went back to the same midwifery team. Unfortunately, I aged out of the birth suite. Ah, uh, um, yeah. The birth center. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, my uterus was just, it was going to be five months too old. <laughs> so how old were you by then? So I was 43. Yeah, 43. Yeah, I think it's 42, was it? Uh, yeah. Yep. So... <laughs> Um, had he been five months early, I would have been okay, apparently. <laughs> like, that's the stupidity of the system, right? That they just have these arbitrary numbers. Yeah. Um, they don't actually take into consideration what I've done in the past. No. <laughs> anyway, There's so no way around it, I'm telling no, you. <laughs> no, no, not at all. So I think due to the fact that I was having baby number five, I am a very strong, very loud, um, opinionated woman, one of those dangerous females that we like to talk about. Um, 
the system kept pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing back. So they wanted me to consent to having VEs. They wanted me to consent to having um, uh, cannulas put in. They wanted me to have the CTG monitoring all the time. Um, the obstetric team wanted me to meet with them to sign off on whether or not I actually could have a vaginal birth at the age yeah, of 40. So you were considered the higher risk, that higher is that you could. So once you cross that line, you are like uh, really high risk. Red, red lights. <laughs> yeah, like, red lights. Anything is red lights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so walking around with this big danger sign like flashing yeah and I guess like the thing with the system especially is that when you do cross that line of high risk like for some women can become really a nightmare because it's just constantly <laughs> yeah it, and it, it was a, like every appointment that I went to with my midwife, she would have to say, like, she would tick all the stuff, like I would decline everything on my paperwork. She's like, yep, that's fine. But because of your age, I have to get your case signed off by the obstetrics team. So next time you come, we'll talk about what mm. you've declined time. And I was like, you know what, like, that's fine. You can do whatever you want to do, but please just know that I'm never going to say yes to anything that they want I and and I think for me that's when it kind of I started to have these alarm bells for myself to go okay well I'm having baby number five I know I can do this and I'm a really strong person and very much able to talk for myself and to advocate for myself but what about the women who aren't yeah and at that point you were not a doula at all isn't it uh yeah, and you just did it. You just advocate for yourself. Yep, yep. So, but I, and I started to have this thought of what are the other women doing? Like how do yeah. other women who are either the same age as me or for some reason are deemed to be a high risk for no apparent reason, like how do other women handle this thing? This is really different. So anyway, so like that I think is what started the ball rolling, right? Like that was in the back of my head. Um, but I went through the pregnancy and I just wouldn't allow their fears to sink in. Like I was just like, no, that's your fears. I can clearly see that. And that's not for me to carry. Your rules are your rules. That's not for me to abide by. So I went, They the, the last thing, the last hurdle they wanted me to jump because they are, right? Like they're just hurdles, all these things that you have to get yeah. through. Yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's kind of what it feels like. Um, so the next, the last hurdle was that at 38 weeks, an ultrasound was to be done by the head obstetrician to make sure that the baby wasn't going to be as big as his brother, to make sure he was head down and um, they wanted to measure his skull diameter to make sure he was going to fit so I said to my husband you know what like I declined everything else I'm like you know what we're going to go to this appointment and he was like you what I'm like we're going to go I'm going to go to this appointment this will be fun like that's the con that's the words I use I'm like this will be really fun let's go so we did and we waited in the waiting room for an hour as they like to get you to do like just wait around for when they're ready Anyway, we walk into this little um, consultation room. Head obstetrician comes in. He's like, right, okay, so we just need to go through all the risks that you have. And he laid them all out. 
all out on the table. And every time he said something, I'd back back with, what's the statistics on that? And he would try and mumble something. I'm like, yeah, but does that actually apply to me? Like, what are my statistics on having uh, a big baby, on having shoulder dystocia, on having this, on having that? And he couldn't answer my questions. And <laughs> of course they can't. <laughs> apparently, I know more when it comes to statistics than most obstetricians I've ever met, which yeah. is odd because they get paid the big bucks. Yeah. Anyway, um, so the last thing was, okay, so we just need to do this ultrasound. And I went, oh, yeah, about that, no. He's like, what do you mean? Like, that, that's what you're here for. <laughs> Yeah, no, I came here to have the conversation with you to see what you would say, but there's no way in hell I'm actually going to agree to an ultrasound so that you can find something wrong so that you can do the cesarean that you've already told me I should be having. Yeah. And he's like, well, he goes, well, you realise then, he looked at my husband and then he looked back at me, he goes, you realise then that you'll probably end up with a dead baby. Oh, my gosh. And, like, that was his specific words. Oh, my gosh. And then I looked at my husband and he was like, oh, God. Because I pre-warned him that that could, would probably be thrown up to some extent or sort of talked around about way. But the fact that he actually said the actual words, I looked at my husband and then I looked at him and I went, did you really just try to coerce me into doing what you wanted to do by throwing me the line, I'll have a dead baby. And he's like, oh, well, oh, well, oh, just, um, oh, well, well, you have to understand that blah, blah, and he just kept going. And I was just like, you know what? No. Like, I'm not doing it. And now can I have your full name? And I'm going to go and make a report. Yeah. So I did. So I went straight upstairs because I knew my um, one of my lead midwives was actually upstairs that day. So I just went straight to her and just went, okay, give me the name of the person in charge. I'm making a formal complaint. This is what I've just been told. Wow. And she was like, okay. And I said, and please write down on your notes that that man is not to enter my birth space. I don't care if I need surgery or not at the end of this labour. He is not to enter my birth space at all whatsoever. If I need an obstetrician for some reason, you'll need to find someone else. Yeah. So she did. She wrote it down on the notes. I saw that OB hours after I'd had my son as I walked out of the hospital. Bye. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, I turned up to the hospital in labour my midwives were fantastic. My eldest eldest children were there again. My two-year-old was there as well. He ended up leaving because this birth took a lot longer this time than what the others had. Um, so he was there for most of it, but it was getting quite late at night. So I had my parents and law pick him up and take him yeah. home. Um, and I had a physiological, no intervention birth on the bed of hospital with everybody witnessing me and I bent down and picked up my own son and put him on my chest and the student midwife that was in the room then said to me after, she goes, I have got three months left of my study and this is the first time I've seen a physiological birth. 
Wow. And she is still in contact with me now. She's like, we follow each other on Instagram. Oh, so good. Uh, like I, and that's why at two o'clock in the morning when I was discovering this stuff, I was like, I, kn- I know I need to do this for other women. It wasn't yeah. to heal anything in me. It was just that if I was, if I wasn't as strong and wasn't as sure of myself and trusted my body as much mm-hmm. as what I couldn't see why women choose the induction. I can see why they choose the cesarean because they will, you are left to feel like if you say no, how dangerous are you as a woman? How dangerous are you as a mother to put your baby at risk? Because that's what I was told. If I don't say yes to an ultrasound at 38 weeks, I'll end up with a dead baby. And there's no correlation. There's no evidence at all to show that there's a correlation in that. It was purely because, and I had no GD, like I had nothing else that would be considered high risk except for the fact that I was 43. Yeah, yeah, that is so crazy. So what made you decide to go down the doula route rather than the midwifery one? Um, I decided in that moment that I couldn't actually work for the hospital system. Yeah, so and <laughs> I will work for them. I mean, I I have I know some beautiful midwives that work in the hospital system. I know uh, like some amazing midwives that work privately, and I love what they do. But I couldn't go to university after seeing what I've seen. Yeah. And actually be able to complete the course yeah it's three years of torture right now (laughs) because I also have to go into the hospital system yeah without any power of my own because students don't have power you're literally as a silent witness yep but I couldn't do it I know like I could not do it so when this thing doula came up and I was like that's it like that's the part that I need to play in this big pie of the birth experience and the birth culture in this country. Like that's my little bit that I can influence, that I can be a part of. Um, And it's an individual thing with one woman at a time, one family at a time that I can play a role um, in nurturing them. Yeah, that is so, so amazing. It's so good how sometimes life just takes us on, like it feels to us like it's the biggest like route you know to get to where we're supposed to be you know I just feel the same I'm like I was always supposed to be here but it just took me such a lot because I started my journey that I was 18 you know and only now that I'm 34 I'm where I've always wanted to be and it's been such a just a longer route to get where you're just meant to be you know (laughs) and I think like there's I don't like to use that that sort of thought process of, oh, well, you had to go through these things to get to where you are. But I think the things that you go through influence who you become, right? So yeah. had, I, had I done this doula thing after my first birth, I wouldn't be the doula that I am coming into it after my fifth. Yeah. At the age that I am now. I think yeah. that, that for me that's what this is where I needed to be. And my strength lies in the fact that 
I am a woman who is now almost 48. I am definitely perimenopausal and I have this extra fire and strength and sort of knowing in me and trust in women um, that I need to do this work. Yeah, yeah so. absolutely. Yeah. And so fast forward, you became a doula and then what happened? So I became a doula. I went to a women's circle that was facilitated by a dear friend of mine. While I was there, there was a woman that sat in circle next to me and she was talking about the fact that she um, had had some trauma around her first two births and had had decided to have a tubes tied um, during that process. And again, fast forward quite a few years later, new partner um, was going through IVF. So her plan was to go through IVF cycle to conceive. Um, and then she wanted to free birth. So I was like, so I spoke to her. <laughs> wow. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> IVF, free birth. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. what's going on here? <laughs> um, yeah. IVF, uh, two prior cesareans wow. over 40 <laughs> and wanted to free birth. Oh and my I, was, God, I love it. <laughs> I thought, oh, that's amazing. I'm so excited for you. Like I really, like I'm really sending you so much love and light. Like I really hope that this um, IVF works because she hadn't even started the, like she hadn't undergone it yet, but it was coming up. So I, so I left it at that. And then two and a half months later, I get this DM in it, on my Instagram account that says, hi, Nicole, it's me. Um, just wanted to let you know that the IVF has worked. Um, and I decided that day that I met you that if it worked, I wanted you to be the birth keeper at my birth. Would you do that? Wow. I was like, oh, like I, every time someone asks me to be a part of their journey, I cry, right? Yeah. So, Oh my God, like absolutely. Like if, if you want me there, I will be there. And you were already a doula by then. This is my first client. Oh my gosh, it's so amazing. <laughs> so I had, during that circle, I was almost finished the work that I was doing um, on myself more than anything else to make sure that I could be the doula that I needed to be and clear all my shit out so I could walk into someone else's space. Um, so I'd almost finished doing that when I had that circle. So yeah, by the time she'd conceived, I was like, yeah, sure. Like I don't even have a website. I don't have anything to invoice you with or anything, but we'll figure that out later. Yes, absolutely. I'll be on this journey with you. So my first client and the first birth I witnessed as a doula was a free birth mama who was IVF after two cesareans and it was the most magical thing I've ever seen in my life. So amazing. So yeah. amazing. Wow. What a journey. <laughs> yeah. and, then I, and then I go on from there. So I support women anywhere, in the hospital, at home with private midwives or free birthing clients. So that night, though, was about a two and a half hour drive home. She lived quite away from me. Yeah. So it was like three o'clock in the morning. I'm driving home. And on that drive, I just had this whole complete story drop into my head of a children's book. Wow, just like that. 
like literally like that and I was so you know how like you're talking to yourself kind of especially after yeah. you've been like you go over what the birth was like and like reminisce as you're driving home full of oxytocin like my car was just reeking of oxytocin um but this whole story came in and I just kept speaking about the story over and over again I knew what the characters looked like I knew what the name was of this like little girl that's in the in the storybook it just I just kept going over and over and over and over and over in my head but as we tend to do I had this thing in me that also was like who are you to write a story about free birth who are you to write a children's book you can't do that. You shouldn't do that. Someone else will do that. Don't worry about it. It's not for you to do. You can't, like imposter syndrome, right? Like you can't, that's not for you. So anyway, fast forward again. So that would have been the beginning of, when was that? 2020? 2019? That would have been in 2020, beginning. So we went through all of that go all through 2021 I'm still seeing client after client um attending like lots of free birthing clients lots of um home birthing clients and during the visits for them it's very different conversation from those women to the women who are birthing in a hospital system yeah but, yeah yeah so the the preparation is different and it needs yeah. to um I kept like the the clients that had little toddlers around I was like i I wish there was a book. There's some beautiful books out on birth, um, around home birth, but they mention midwives and they show be bellies being measured and heart rates being listened to and things like that, which are beautiful and that's what happens in that space. But to take something like that and to put it into a free birth space, I wanted these kids and their parents to be able to see themselves in a story. And it just, like, again, it just kept coming up and coming up and coming up. So the beginning of this year, or sorry, end of last year, I decided that I was going to work with a business mentor, um, Rachel Rose. Yeah, yeah. You know Rachel? She's yeah. beautiful. Um, so she's doing, like, business mentoring. You don't have to be a doula to do it. Um, so I signed up. I was like, you know what, this is, like, I have a big thing of like, I just say fuck yes to things. <laughs> and if it's not a fuck yes, then it's a no. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? Fuck yes. I'll make it work. Whatever the finances, I'm just going to do it. So in the process of signing up for that um, between like beginning of December and middle of January, we had to delve into what we wanted out of this 12 months. So I, I like the first thought I had was you, you're going to write a book. You're going to write this book. But then in my head, I was like, no, I can't. I can't write a children's book. Like that's, I've never written anything in my life. And it just kept coming up. And she was like, Nicole, what are you doing? Like, what do you want to do in the first six months of being in this mentorship? And I was like, oh, I'm going to have to say this thing out loud. And I said to him, like, I want to write a book. And I like whispered it. She's like, you what? <laughs> and so I, <laughs> I want to write a children's book. I've had this book sitting in my head for years and I just feel like it's time to put it on paper. She's just like, okay, great. You've said it out loud. We're doing it. What's your time frame? I was like, um, if I can finish everything by July and have it ready for sale in August, 
and like question mark. She's like, great, okay, done. And I'm like, okay. She's like, so figure out the steps that you need to do, figure out the, all the things that you need. I'm here for support. We'll talk through it, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I got off the first Zoom meeting call with or like the community of women that were in this business mentoring. I'm like, so to my husband, oh, shit. And he's like, what? And I'm like, I'm going to write a children's book about birth. And he's like, you what? I'm like, I'm going to write a children's book about a free birth. And he's like, again, I'm like blessed to have him in my life. He's like, okay, great. What do you need to do for that? And I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> so you had this story though, isn't it? You had the story already in your head. So, and he's a teacher and he's like, okay, so write the story down. Yeah. Like put it from here onto a piece of paper and see what it looks like. I'm like, okay. So I did. I had all of these pieces of like A4 paper and I'm writing words. And as I'm writing, I was already like drawing. I'm a very bad drawer. But I was already like doing these really bad like stick figure drawings of like these words would go with this image and then these words would go with this image. So it literally just poured out of my body onto paper. So I sent it to Rachel and I'm like, this is, I think, the first like rough draft of my book. And it was like pencil, scribbles. And she's like, okay, can you write out the words so I can read them? Because it was literally scribble. <laughs> scribble and shorthand. Like I think I knew what it said. She couldn't read a word of it. So I was like, okay, cool. So I wrote it back out again and sent it to her and again. She's like, okay, so now write it and edit it as you go, but like speak it out loud. So I did that again and I wrote it out again. She's like, okay, so now write it with like page numbers. How many pages is this thing going to be? So I did that. So I actually wrote it like on one page and then I flipped over and wrote the other page. So, and then I stuck, like put sticky tape on it and kind of made it into this really weird looking pieces of paper mess, but a book for all intents and purposes she was like, right, okay, so the next step would be to find someone else to do these pictures because you're obviously not talented. I'm like, yep, good. So I went on to Esty and I was looking, like sort of typed in um, children's book illustrator because I just wanted to see some artwork and stuff. And this artwork came up straight away and I was like that's it that's what I want my story to look like I already had this picture that I wanted it to be really colorful really bright but also really busy like little things in places and it's actually an illustrator and she lives in Italy funnily oh. enough beautiful connection there um so I messaged her and I'm like hey I've got a book it's about this um, it's going to probably be about this many pages. Would you be interested? And she wrote back within a couple of hours, giving like the time difference. And she's like, yeah, that sounds like a beautiful project. I'd love to be involved. I'm like, okay. So I sent her, she's like, just send me the first page. I'll do it in black and white. You can see whether or not it's like what you want. So I sent her the words and a very sort of brief description of what I wanted the page to look like and feel like. And she came back with an image and I'm like, that's it. You're my illustrator. Let's wow. Like yeah. 
So these beautiful little serendipitous moments and things kind of just falling into place. I still really had this feeling like the little noise in the back of my head to go, you can't do this. Like, who do you think you are? I'm like, yeah, but I can see that there is a need for it. And I wanted, if if nothing else, all I was going to do if if I couldn't sell it was have something to gift to my clients who were having that experience so that they could read this story to their children and open up the conversation about what free birth is or just what birth is. Right? Yeah, that is true. And, I, you know, like I totally get it because uh, this is something like really silly, but even like when I go to the shopping center you know and for example I have to get like a doll you know if the doll has got a dummy like I get rid of the dummy because you know? I'm like yeah. I, don't want, I don't want my kids to see dummies you know things yeah. like that and so I understand how you know if I was to read the story on birth to my kids it will be very hard because you probably see images that all oh, stories that I'm like no you're not reading this yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I think it's hard, especially for children, it's hard to remove characters from stories, but it's easy to add things in with their imagination. So although, yes, it is about a what I call a family birth because there was no there's no one else mentioned at all in the actual pages around birth, um, so I call it that, but... I wanted them to be able to add people in if they wanted to. So if auntie was coming to attend at the time, they could say, well, this is what this will be. But then like when we get to this section, this is when auntie will turn up or this is where grandma will come or this is where my like sister's cousin's niece will be here. Like you can add those things to make it more of your story. Um so yeah and then the title itself is I say this to a lot of my clients and it just stuck as what the title should be so I call birth any birth is it's an ordinary day that happens to be magical at the same time so the story title is my most magically ordinary day because it is right especially if you're just birthing at home you wake up at some time you labor for however long and then a baby emerges you eat something can you go back to bed or you sit on the couch and someone feeds you like that's the ordinary part of this magical experience so I wanted to bring that into the title so people could read it and go ah yeah that aligns with my value, that aligns with how I see birth and what I want my kids to think about when they think of birth. Um, so, yeah, so that's it there. I just, I don't know, it'll probably turn up backwards. But... Oh, no, 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 it's, uh, we can see it, yeah. So um, the illustrator uh, also, I like, I wanted blood to be there and I wanted it to be on the front cover. Yeah. I can't. I can't sell it on Amazon because of that little thing there. Oh. And, and there's a little nipple there. So I can't sell it on Amazon unless I oh, actually. really? Change. Yep, unless I actually change those two things. And I really don't want to. So at the moment, it's only available through my website. Yeah. Um, so is he available worldwide or just in Australia? How does it work? 
Um, so at the moment, it is listed on Etsy because mm. I don't have to change the cover. Um, mm. So it is listed on Etsy. Um, so anyone that can purchase off Etsy can purchase the book. I've left that open sort of worldwide um, or directly through my website for anyone in Australia. Yeah. Yeah. So the book also follows, it has a couple of, I suppose they're called Easter eggs in, in stuff now. So it follows her, the little girl Sage, that's her name, she's there. Yeah. So it follows her journey with really her family in, starts in summer. So in an Australian summer on a beach, it goes through different seasons of pregnancy as the seasons of the year change. Yeah. Really intentional. So it starts in summer, we move across to autumn, during autumn, um, they talk about uh, like mummy's belly growing and she sits on the grass with her mum and you've got like little autumn leaves and things like that. Yeah, doing that's beautiful. Um, and then it goes through to winter and it talks about um, mummy wanting to walk into in nature a lot. Yeah. That's how she spends her time connecting with her baby. Yeah. While she's walking in nature. And then as the spring starts, she has her women folk. Yeah. Attend to her in a mother blessing. And then I've also added this one, which I love the idea of too. And it's a like a cooking gathering. So all of her. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So all of her female friends have come together to cook together, um, to fill her fridge and freezer yeah. uh, before her birth. And then we come full circle into mid or high springtime and mummy labours at home in the dark, in the lounge room. Yeah, beautiful. Um, and then at the end they hop into bed. Oh, with a new baby. Ah, oh, that's so nice. <laughs> this is why I love this illustrator. Like there's a bit of toast and a half-eaten apple. Yeah. Uh, there's a cord burning box. Yeah. Because a lot of my clients actually choose to burn their cord. Yeah. So that there's a placenta bowl with a bit of blood on the side. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Yeah. And then they that is so beautiful. Yeah, yeah, I've, yeah. I've really, I've had some great feedback about it, um, but the the best feedback is actually seeing little kids actually reading it. Even my kids will flick through it, yeah, and, and they'll talk about like, oh, that's blood in the pool, and oh, look, mummy's like she's breastfeeding her newborn baby. Yeah, and I guess regardless of you know if. Uh, um, a mom is going to um, free birth or not, I think like that's how birth should be seen from when we are little, you know, because I feel like a lot of us, we've seen some pretty horror, horror stories from <laughs> movies. And so we think that birth is this horror story where it's like, oh my gosh, we've never seen something like that. Yeah, yeah they grow up and, and will eventually watch TV and see some other ways that birth is made to look. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what I thought. If like, even if it's not them witnessing, yeah, their, their sibling being born at home, if it's just sits in any children's playroom yeah. or 
it's just something that will give them another image yeah. that they take with them. So, yeah, my boys love it, which is great. Um, and the clients that I've had that I've um, that have bought it, and all the women that have bought it so far um, have really loved it, and their kids are really loving it too, which is why I did it. Yeah, that is so, so, so good. Uh, I love the the idea of the book, really, because as I said, uh, I am a bit picky on uh, TV, books, uh, dolls, <laughs> anything. And so that will actually fit really well into, into our home because I feel like, you know, our kids in the end are our future and it will be good to kind of rewrite the story because it's just a matter of what are they exposed to and uh, even something so simple like your book uh, it can really rewrite the story of our our kids really yeah and like and I haven't mentioned a doula in it I didn't add myself um but if like if a family is having a doula or a birth photographer and a midwife and all of like whoever they're having in their home at that time, then you can talk about that yeah. discussion. Um, and then also with that, what I've also included on my website that's um, easily downloadable, like a PDF, is the images in black and white. Oh, um, yeah, yeah color in because I being a mother of five I understand that coloring in and doing art can not only open up more conversation but can also instill those images in um so they get to color in their own story as well so beautiful so beautiful thank you so much for sharing all this knowledge with us would you like to say something to all the women that are listening to us um I just want everybody or all women to understand that their power is within them whether or not they remember it or feel it it's there and there are other women around that know that and that trust that. So find them, surround yourselves with stories of the birth that you envision for yourself. Yeah. Um, what we see, we know. And what we see others doing gives us permission to do the same. So so true. <laughs> I I agree. What we see Ara do give us permission to do the same. I totally agree. Totally agree. This was such a great chat. I, I was so really happy to have you on the podcast. And I can't wait for everybody to hear all the things that you've shared with us. And again, thank you so, 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 so much. Thank you. It's lovely to chat. Hey, my friend, thank you so much for listening again. I think we are in for something really special in this podcast. Let's start this new movement. Hey, buckle up. There's a lot of new things and awesome things that you're going to hear from me. And as you know, just do me a favor, please. Just take a screenshot, put it in your stories and tag me. I promise I will definitely reshare you. Thank you for listening and I'll see you in the next episode. Bye.